Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Good morning. How are we doing? Yes. Happy Mother's Day. I dressed up for you moms, ladies, yes. Oh, that's all I did was put a jacket on. That's it. That's all. Don't get too excited. Uh, but hey, we are so excited that you are here this morning. Happy Mom's Day. I've been telling Happy Mom's Day to everybody, all the guys out there. I'm like, hey, Happy Mother's Day. They're like, okay, well, whatever, man. Are you saying I'm fat? What are you saying? I don't know. I'm pregnant. I don't know. No, no, just take it easy, man. It's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. My fondest memory of my mom, though. Fondest memory of my mom. Those of you who do not know, if you're watching, listening, and you don't know, you just tuned in. Uh, I'm, I grew up in the Middle East. Uh, in the Middle East, I'm actually Middle Eastern, uh, Pakistani mom. And I have a favorite, favorite memory of her. But I would get in so much trouble if I shared this with you. I would. She would never forgive me. She would, okay? She would never forgive me. But the good thing is, the good thing is she is a Muslim woman who does not listen to uh, Christian pastors on Sunday mornings. <laughs> so we good. We good. Can I tell you the, my fondest memory? Now, some of you moms are like, listen, you should not do that. Listen, it's calm down. It's all good. So my fondest memory is when my mom threw a knife at my sister. Yes. Yes, she did. The good news is it's all good. She lost the eye, but that's okay. Pakistani you know, pirates were a good thing, but she's, she's fine. She's fine. But she, she, grew, you know, she raised five of us, okay? So, wow, kudos to her, right? Five Pakistanis, uh, man, two, two boy, uh, two, three boys, two girls. Wow, and uh, yeah, she is. She's hilarious. But she, she, we, we talk about it uh, because you know she cooked every meal. She cooked every, and when I mean every meal, that's what she did. I mean, she was always in the kitchen, and I remember, like, we were all doing all kinds of things, and she just had something in her hand. And I don't know if you grew up with this, but my parents just threw things. That's what's discipline. That discipline was, I'll just throw whatever I have. And she just happened to be having a knife that she was working with. And she just went, Whew. And I was like, that's when I realized mom's a ninja. Mom's a, don't, don't. She would literally cut you. Like, that's what, that's what happened. But, um, but I was thinking about that because she doesn't forgive herself for that. She doesn't. And, and, but she never apologizes. But anyways, she does not. <laughs> That's another thing about moms, at least my mom. Um, but she will never forgive herself for it. And so this morning, though, I, want, I wondered, uh, there, are there some of you uh, that uh, have not forgiven yourself uh, about, some, uh, about some things? Or have you, maybe there's some of you who maybe need to forgive other people. Like, how good are we when it comes to forgiveness? We've been in a series talking about this idea of, like, how to be uh, with people, 
Like, what are, what are some of the essentials that we have to, uh, to possess to be in relationships with other people? And I think this idea of forgiveness is connected to it. Because when it comes to relationships, I think for some of us, it's hard to be in relationships. And that's verse, it's easier. Some marriages are pretty, pretty mild and pretty uh, tame, and others are always fighting. And I think it's connected to forgiveness and how well and how quick do we really forgive one another. So this morning, I want to talk about the art of forgiveness. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe there's something you need to forgive yourself about. But let's talk about forgiveness, especially in terms of relationships. Because even your relationship with God is connected to that. Some of us act a certain way. We our spiritual maturity is going a certain direction because it's connected to how much we feel forgiven by God. Others of us, when it comes to our relationships, the way we interact with people is connected to forgiveness. I wonder sometimes, though, that when it comes to relationships, do you think we're playing a game? Like, I think some of us, I think we are. Like, how many of you would say you're competitive? Anybody? You're competitive. How many of you would say, okay, you don't think you're competitive, but people think you're competitive? Right, right. Like, I don't think I'm competitive at all. But then you ask my friends and people and everybody, I guess, they're like, you're super competitive. I'm like, no, I'm not. I just want to win. <laughs> like, I, that just not, I just want to do my best better than you. Like, that's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. That's not being competitive. Competitive is so ugly. I just want to be first. Like, that's all. That's all I want to do. And so I was thinking about this. I think, like, when it comes to this idea of relationships, I think some of us, because we're competitive, we deal with relationships when, uh, like a game. Like we use language like, for example, have you ever been in an argument and you said, you know what, I can never win with you. I can never, ne never win with you. Or have you ever been in an argument with someone and you said, you know what, that's not fair. It's not fair. Why? Because those are languages when that, that kind of allude to that we're in a game. How about, how about, have you, have, you, uh, have you ever asked someone, can you just give me a pass on this, right? Can, or you can say, you know, and then some of you guys are like, what do you mean, what kind of pass are you talking about? Not a hall pass, because that is a different thing. That's a different, and those of you who do not know what that means, God bless you. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Live that life, yes, yes. It's, it's funny, though, but all of that connects to the idea of, I think some of us walk around when it comes to relationships and forgiveness, we take and keep score. We keep score. Some of us are a little bit more annoying than that, okay? And what I mean by that is, like, I've got this whistle here, and I think for some of us, you know people that something happens and they go, hey, 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 wait, why are you doing that? Hey, hey, don't do that. Stop that. Stop that. I saw that. Foul. Like, what? What are you doing? What are you doing? Did you have a mom maybe like that? Do you have a spouse like that? Do you have someone that you can, they, all they do is stop, stop. And you're like, I'm going to rip that whistle off. Like right now, some of you are like, please stop, please stop. That's how annoying it is to be in a relationship with someone that's always keeping score, that's always calling out some stuff in us. So how do you do that? How do you live with a person like that? And the bigger question is, are you a person like that? See, friends, we have to deal with this idea of forgiveness and really be good at it if we're going to have lasting relationships, lasting friendships. And like for some of us, we need to be good at it because for some of us this day, you're holding on to a lot of things and it's connected to your lack of forgiveness. 
because you're, you keep bringing something up. You've kept score. You know how you got fouled. You know things happened to you, and you're holding on to them, and it's affecting everything you do. See, here's what the scripture says. Scripture says in Colossians, Paul says this. He says, don't keep score. He says, do the opposite. He says, you must, you must make allowance for each other's what? False. And forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. See, this idea is so true. Okay, I, we get that. Okay, we need, okay, it's scripture. But it's very tough to do, isn't it? So extremely tough to do. You can't, if making allowance is so much harder than keeping score. Hello? It's just so much easier. It's intuitive for us. But here's what he says. He says, hey, hey, don't do that because bitterness kind of grows. It actually grows. Uh, uh, Hebrews 12 says this. Look after each other so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no what? Poisonous root of what? Bitterness. What's the word? Grows up to trouble corrupting many. It, it says basically that bitterness can act, can in fact grow, like can get bigger and bigger and bigger in you. It's not like, oh, I've, I've held on to this offense. For some of us, you, if you think of a memory, if you think of something that's happened, you're holding on to it. You're a, little bit of, you're a little bitter about that. The problem is that it doesn't just stay that size. It keeps on growing. It's like a wart. Have you had a wart before? Some of you guys are like, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> that's a trick question, buddy. We're not doing that, okay? I recently got a wart. I did. Okay, it's gone now. It's all good. Okay? But my, my plan was this. I'm going to ignore it till it goes away. Solid plan. <laughs> not so much. Apparently, you cannot ignore a wart. Did you know that? Write that down, some of you. You're like, yeah, yeah, okay. I looked it up. I Googled warts. I was like, that is a bad Google search, by the way. Images of warts. Bad idea. You cannot unsee that. Okay, I'm like, what? It's growing. Then I got like this, I, I had this thought. Oh my gosh, they're going to keep on growing? They're gonna, i got to kill this thing. What do I do? So I put everything. I think I nuked it. I don't know what I did. I think I stuck my finger in the microwave and just said, burn it off or something. I did, some of you guys are like, that's serious. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Calm down. I didn't do that. But I didn't realize that I had to get rid of it. Like I had to deal with it. Bitterness for some of us, I think, is something that is growing in you. And that's why, could be why, that it's showing up at work. Like it's showing up in a relationship right now. It's showing up after so many years. Because it's been there and it's been growing. You've ignored it. That was a solid plan. But it is growing. And here it says that it is one that kind of corrupts so many. Like not only does it grow in you, but then it begins to corrupt other people. Like it's this, it's like this fungus that, can, that grows on very expensive cheese. Number one, why is cheese so expensive? <laughs> but it, it affects all the others. That's why you don't want to put like molded stuff next to other good things. Why? Because it just starts spreading. Now I know these are like intense images. But when you think about it, you think about like your life and you think about um, your relationships. I mean, some of you guys are watching this or listening to this, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know that it has grown, bitterness has grown, and it's affected other areas of your life and other solid relationships. And that's, what pro that's the problem. Because you're bitter with one person, it affects the person that's next to you right now. That's why you take one, your, your, your 
um, in your, I guess, heartbreak or your intense relationship and you take it to the next and you take it to the next. And you begin to treat the person who are you, you are with right now as the person you are bitter against back then. And you wonder why it's not working. Have you ever been in a relationship and you've, you're talking to someone and you get into an argument or something happens and then they bring up stuff that you are like, I have no memory of that. And you're like, why are you bringing this up? Because someone has been keeping score. Someone wrote it down. You said this Tuesday three years ago. Really? I didn't know that. And it's affecting us. So what do we do? I mean, we look at these scriptures and we go, okay, we read them and go, okay, how, how do we do this? What we have to understand, number one, is that we've got to understand the depth of this, uh, this, this poison. Amos, uh, Old Testament um, writer says this, how foolish you are when you turn justice into poison and the sweet fruit of righteousness into bitterness. Now, what translation, what does that mean? He says that what happens is that sometimes when you allow bitterness to not just affect one relationship, it not only affects other relationships, but it affects your very soul. So what that means is, is that you can have like a, a righteous indignation or you could have a righteous cause. Even look at some of the movements that we've experienced. People who start off with a social justice cause that is pure and just and right and true. And as time goes on, it becomes bitter and angry and negative and, and just violent. What happens? Because bitterness and, for, and unforgiveness has been in that. Why is this important? It's important, friends, because not only, not only does it affect me, some other people in our lives, but Bitterness and unforgiveness affects the world we're in, our society, your household. It's not just your marriage, it's your whole family. Like, have you, have you grown up um, in a, a family and you, no one ever said it, but basically it's implied that no one forgives anyone in this family. Like, you, like have, you ever, have you ever dated into a family or married into a family and you go, once you do something wrong, it will be remembered forever. That you can never make amends. We do not forgive and we do not forget. Friends, I have cousins in Pakistan that my mom and I have not talked to in decades. There was one little uh, conversation, the misunderstanding. They have not talked in 10, 20 years throughout any, um, like if, if, uh, even hard times, like with, with this pandemic, no checking on anybody. Doesn't matter. I cut you off and you're done. And I'm like, this is your own sister. This is your own brother. This is your own dad. What are you doing? Why is that? See, that's why you and I have to understand that when it comes to, when it comes to forgiveness and bitterness in relationships, this is a deal breaker or a relationship maker. You know what I'm saying? It, it's one of those things. So you and I have to figure out what does the scriptures talk about? How does it help us? There's a story of, um, of a woman named Hagar. I think it gives us a lot of insight of what, what is going on and what we need to do. So Hagar is a story 
um, of Abraham and Sarah. Now, if you're not familiar with the scriptures, you don't. You might go, okay, I'm not quite sure who Hagar is. She is. She she's basically in the middle of that story. So Abraham and Sarah, those of you who might know, uh, they were promised a son. They would not be. She was not able to be pregnant, and God promised that he would be a father of many nations. And so he's like, you're going to have a son. Now, they were in their 80s when they were told this, and it kept on going, and it hit 90, and they were like, what, what's happening? It's not going to happen. It was a whole deal. And so Sarah came up with this idea. She was like, you know what? If this is going to happen, it's going to be through another woman because I'm old. I'm, it's not happening here, okay? And so what she does is she introduces Hagar, who worked for them as a maid, and basically said, okay, you're going to have the kid that God promised me, okay? So I want you and Abraham to get together, and you're going to have, this is, this is the fulfillment of the promise. So it happens. She gets pregnant. She's pregnant. Now imagine, you got Abraham and one lady there who's not pre- who couldn't have kids, and now one of her servant who is now pregnant, and Abraham is catering to her. That is a problem in the household right there. And exactly what happens. She is abusive. Sarah, Sarah, holy Sarah, she's abusive to Hagar. And so abusive, she offends her so many times, she mistreats her so much that during her pregnancy, Hagar decides, I'm leaving. I'm gone. I'm out of this. This is a mess. I didn't create this mess. Like, I, didn't, I, was not, I wasn't like, oh, Abraham, no, no, no. I don't want anything to do with this. I'm getting stuck in this, and now you're blaming me for all of, the, all of these things. Because in the middle of that mess, God says to Abraham, hey, by the way, Hagar, that's not the plan. What? That's not the plan? Yeah, I never told you to do that. So now they've told Sarah, they've told Hagar, I want you to bear a son because God said it. And now God's like, hey, listen, I never said that. So now they're like, well, we don't even want you. Could you imagine the abuse there? To be used by people to a point in God's name and then be discarded. You're like, what? I mean, that's a level of offense. That's a level of abuse that's big. And that's extremely hard to forgive. I mean, you have to live with that. So that in the middle of that, we find the story of Hagar in Genesis 16. So this is where Hagar is talking to God. And she's crying out. She's, 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 she's kind of left. And it says here, it says, Af- thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord and who had spoken to her. And she said, you are the God who sees me. See, in the middle of all that mess, she talks to God. And she is, God speaks to her. And so she begins to name God differently a different name, the God who sees me. And in the midst of that, God tells her, hey, I see your pain. I think for some of us, you need to know the offense that you've had, you've experienced. God sees that. God sees the injustice. God sees that it wasn't your fault. God sees that it wasn't your mess. God sees that you got roped into this. He sees all the stuff. He sees the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then, It continues and says, Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. 
Now, if you have read this story before, this seems so similar to what God told Abraham about Isaac. He said the same thing. So what's happening here? Hagar is, being, is seen by God, heard by God, and then told by God to go back. Go back to, and reconcile. Go back. Don't run away. Go back. Because what I'm about to do in your life and what you need to understand, that there's something bigger going on. You going back to this thing is important because there's something so much bigger at stake. And basically, he says is that your son, the one that no one wants now, is going to be a great nation. The descendants are going to be too numerous to count. So what happens? She goes back. She goes back. And what happens then? Well, the abuse continues. Then Abraham and Sarah do have a child. Now they've got, now they've got kids, two kids. The older one, uh, you know, obviously is getting a lot more attention. There's so much strife that finally Sarah goes, someone's going to stay. There's only one of us who's going to stay. Could you imagine Abraham in the middle of that going, what did I get myself into? What, what am I doing here? But could you imagine just the, and, and I don't know this, and ladies, you know this, there's just the, the sense of like trying to be a mom and having someone else in your own house, and it's just so complicated. And Sarah tells Abraham, listen, now you've got Hagar, her kid, and now you've got Isaac. We can't do this anymore. You need to send her away. You need to send her away. And that's what happens. So she gets sent away. Again, not with all kinds of resources, just a little bit of resources, just a little bit. I just want you to feel the weight of Hagar's abuse here. Like she's been wronged again and again and again. And God told her to go back, remember? She went back. And now, years later, she's been told, okay, you're good to go now. You can just leave. We don't want you here. We don't want your son to grow up here. So what happens? She goes out. She goes out and she gets to a point in her journey in the desert that she is not going to survive. She doesn't think she's going to survive at all. And such a sad story, friends, such a sad story that she is, has run out of all water, food, and she's, it's just rough. And she puts her child down and she walks away and she thinks, I cannot see my child, cannot see him die. I can't do this. So she's at the lowest point of this. Again, feel the weight of the story. And what happens then? In Genesis 21, God shows up again. He says, do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lays there. Lift the boy up and take him by hand, and I will make him into a what? Great nation. I'll make him into a great nation. What's going on here? What's going on here? Again, a promise. Genesis 21, 20, it says, God, God, with the boy, God was with the boy when he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Why is this story so important? So now God shows up, tells her to do something, that's connected to forgiveness and bitterness, 
connected to why she needs to obey. She goes back. And what happens here? God says, I still remember the promise. You're going to be a great nation. Now, what does she name him? Now, if you know anything about Jewish history there, or even modern Jewish um, reality right now, there's one kind of people group that the Jewish people are always at odds with. It's the Arabs. The Arabs and the Jews always what? They just, they always fight. When people say peace in the Middle East, what are they, what are they talking about? The conflict between what? The Arabs and the Jews. That's what they're talking about. What's so interesting about this is, is the Jewish people always connect to their forefather, in a sense, lineage to Abraham and Sarah. Arabs, people like me, are connected to Hagar. Because here's what's interesting. She names him, she names him a name that's so Arab. Can't teach you some Arabic, by the way? Pretty quick? Okay, so say, say Isma. Isma. One more time. Man, you guys are great. Isma. Isma means to hear. She names her son Ismail. In the Western world, we call it Ishmael. You ruin it. You ruin it, people. You ruin it. It's not Khalid. It's Khalid. Anyways, anyways, whatever. Ismail. Ishmael, which means God who hears me. And she named him that, and Ishmael became, or Ismail became the great nation of the Arab world. Now, what if she would have not gone back? What if she had not done the things that God asked her to do in the middle of her offense, in the middle of her bitterness, in the middle of the conflict in her relationships? What if, what if, man, I'll tell you what, uh, a lot of people on my side would not be even around. What's happening here? What's happening here is God's showing something to us. That in the middle of that, Hagar did the right thing. But in the midst of that, you've got Arabs and Jewish people still at odds with each other. The conflict, it is so hard for them to be, be with each other in a room. Why is that? Because the story of forgiveness, the story of bitterness when it comes to humanity still lingers on. And we have an opportunity to change that. So as we look at the story, and the reason why I picked this is because it's super messy. It's messy because you're like, okay, well, did she do the right thing going back? Should she not have gone back? What's going on? Forgiveness is so messy. It's complicated. It's kind of like an art to it. See, it's, it's messy because like sometimes you don't, you think it's like, it's never done, right? How many of you have thought, like, I think I've forgiven her? And you're like, no, I think I haven't. Or I have, or maybe I have forgiven him. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. It's like an art piece. You go, it's like never really done. You have to keep on working at it. Just, forgiveness is also not justification. There's no justification for the abuse that Sarah uh, uh, did to Hagar, there's no way you can justify that. You can't min minimize it. You can't say ignore it. You can't just go, well, you know what? Well, it wasn't that bad. And this is this. No, 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 no. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. It is not justification. And I think some of us need to know this. That because in your head, you're like, if I forgive them, it minimizes what happened. No, it is not true. And forgiveness, but most importantly, forgiveness creates something. It creates a certain kind of world. Because unforgiveness creates a certain kind of world as well. 
Did you know that before Jesus shows up and starts changing the rules of relationships, there was a rule of basically if you offended someone, if you stole, if you, you had to make amends and you ha- it was a, a tit-for-tat situation. It was a, always a penance. It was always a, okay, you have to make it right by doing certain things. There was no grace, in a sense, introduced in that ancient world. It was always commerce. It was like, you did this, and I'll do this. You did this wrong, you kill this person, I kill a person. That's how it happens. There's always like equal and opposite reaction kind of thing. Grace, as we know it, did not exist in society back then. Jesus shows up and he introduces grace. He basically says, you know, when someone hits you, turn the other cheek. When someone does this, you do that. When someone tells you to go one mile, you go the next mile. He begins creating a world that doesn't make sense to people. Why? Because he's creating a certain kind of world. He knows that if you and I don't live by this idea of, hey, when someone offends you, forgive them. How many times? 70 times seven. You keep living a life of forgiveness. If you and I don't do that, we'll create worlds, we'll create a society that's not forgiving. And so your forgiveness and my forgiveness and the art of being forgiving people creates a certain kind of world. And you and I get to choose to do that. You can be in a society, you can go and live in certain parts of the world that do not have forgiveness as part of their culture. It's always tit for tat. There's always something to pay. But we live in, and I would say if you're listening to me and you're, you're here in this room, you live in a world that is grace-based. You don't even understand it, but people go, you know what, it's okay. It's all right. That did not exist back then. So... Forgiveness is so important because it creates a certain kind of world. That's why Jesus modeled it. Romans 5 says this, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were what? Still sinners. So he didn't die for us after we repented. He did it before. He created a certain kind of relationship, a certain kind of world for us to live in, a world that is marked by, that's created by what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Are you and I creating a world in our relationships, in our families, in our, in our businesses, in our, in our, on our campus, in our classrooms, that's... that's, that's this about forgiveness, or are we creating a world that says, no, 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 tit for tat, eye for an eye, eye for an eye. That's how it works. That's how it works. Because that, my friends, does not work. So what does it look like? What does it mean to, to, to be good at forgiving? What's the art of forgiving? For me, it's the art of letting go. Just the art of letting go. Number one, it's the art of letting go of the offense. The offense. The actual act of what happened. Proverbs 17 says, Whoever forgives an offense seeks what? Love. But whoever keeps bringing up the issue, the issue does what? Separates what? Help me out. So I know you, some of you guys are not into this. You're like, I do not like this. Like, I'm still stuck at, why are we not keeping score again? Like, you lost me at forgiveness, like about 20 minutes ago. Let's try it one more time, okay? Okay, those of you who are watching, you know, you're with me. Okay, let's go. Whoever 
forgives an offense seeks love. But whoever keeps bringing up the It does. If you hold on to that thing, it will never lead to a recovery of that relationship. And for some of you, it is so hard for you to let go of the offense. Let it go. Now, I can't even give you three steps or five steps. All you have to do is let it go. Yeah, yeah, but name, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Is that a song? Let it go. No. Is it? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that. I'm not. I didn't know. <laughs> Let it go. Oh, gosh. Now you're listening. Okay, what am I asking you to let go of? The what? What? Fence. Let's do it. It is the most courageous thing to do for some of us because sometimes it's not acute offense. You know what I'm saying? It's a nasty one. You should have never said that to me. I cannot believe you did that. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it hurt. It hurt. But you got to let it go. You got to let it go because the person is no longer in a relationship with you. Like I remember talking to a person. I said, hey, why don't you just let this go? And they're like, I can't, I can't. I said, hey, you know he's dead. You know he died, right? Yeah. So why are you holding on to it? You're never going to get an I'm sorry. So you're going to hold on to that? You're going to hold on to that because you want a I'm sorry? Or even your I'm sorry is a terrible I'm sorry? Because some people are just terrible at that too. Let it go. See, what I've realized is, is that I can choose how offended I can be. Like, it's, it's going to be ill, ill. I don't make it easy for people to offend me. Think about that. Some of you make it so easy. I can look at you differently. And you're like, I'm so offended. Calm it down. Don't give that power away. You give power away. You just get offended, 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 offended. Oh, my gosh, you're giving so much energy away. What if you lived a life that says, you cannot offend me, try it. You know what you would act like? Who you would act like? Jesus. You just walked around going, oh, you can't offend me. You can't do it. Try it. Try it, try it, try it. You make fun of anything. <laughs> you cannot offend me. See, because he knew, just let it go. Just, just let it go. It separates the, the depth of a friendship. A depth, a depth of a partnership. You, do you bring it up? Of course, because you want to recover. You want to talk about it. Letting go doesn't mean you don't bring it up. You bring it up. You talk about it. But that leads to recovery. Now, there's another thing of letting go, and that is letting go, not of, an, of the offense, but letting go of the relationship. Now, that is a whole different level. That, my friends, does not lead to recovery. It leads to reconciliation. You might go, well, that's the same thing. No. Mm -mm. Reconciliation is like reconciling something. Like if you re reconcile receipts, it's reconciling something. It's like I'm done with it. I don't have to reconcile. I am done. I've closed the what? Books on it. I'm done. It was last year. It's over. Was there a recovery? No. But I am what? 
done. And for some of us, you have to let go of a relationship. Here's my question. How many of people, how many of you live with or have relationships with people you should live without? There's some people in your life you should not live with. You should not be in a relationship with. You're like, oh, name. No, you, because you've been trying. You've been trying to have this relationship with this person. And for some of us, maybe it's your mom, honestly. And guess what? It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen for whatever reason. You need to let go of that what? Relationship. Of how it, you thought it would look like. Just let go of it. Just let go of it. I, I, uh, Nelson Mandela those of you who might know, he was in prison for 27 years. 27 years, South Africa. He was in prison because he wanted to create a new movement and uh, he was accused of trying to overthrow a gov the government. 27 years later, he gets out and he becomes the president of the country. The president of the country that imprisoned him for how many years? 27 years and you you want lessons on forgiveness you read his stuff here's one he writes he says reconciliation does not mean forgetting or trying to bury the pain of conflict but the reconcili but that reconciliation means working together to correct the legacy of past injustice he says it does not it does not mean to forget it. It does not mean to bury the pain. It just means you work, work to correct it in the past, and it's done. He also says this. He says, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. And that's why he lived in so much pain and suffering for 27 years. Comes out not bitter becomes a person who can lead a nation. Friends, he understood what it means to let go of an offense and then also what it means to let go of certain relationships. So as we end this morning, who do you need to let go of? What do you need to let go of? Do you need to maybe even let go of an offense that you feel like you've done You've done this to yourself. Like you want it from God. You want a reconciliation from God. Could that, could that be the case? What, what, what is it? Let me read you this passage and I'll pray for you. First, John says this. He says, but if we live in the light, in the same way that God is in the light, we have a relationship with each other. And the blood of his son, Jesus, cleanses us from every sin. If we say we are we aren't sinful. We are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, he forgives them and cleanses us from everything we have done wrong. See, God wants to let go of the offense, but he refuses to let go of the relationship with you. And you might think, no, 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 he, he's let go. He hasn't. So let's stand together and let me pray for you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this conversation. I know for some of us, it is, it is just a reminder that we have to keep doing what we're doing. But for others of us, God, it's, a, it's, it's just so hard to uh, be people who can let go of something like this. 
God, some of us, this even this day signifies a loss of a relationship. And God, I pray that we would give ourselves grace to let go of this relationship. We'll let go of, God, what we thought it could be. Allow you to move. God, I pray that you would remind us the story of Hagar, that when you call us to do something, when you tell us to go back and let go, God, for some of us, that is what we need to do. We need to go back, recover, or we need to go back and reconcile, reconcile the relationship. God, whatever we need to do, I pray we do. We go back so we can move forward. That God, that, that our act of obedience can open up supernatural blessings in our life. God, my prayer is that we would be more forgiving starting tomorrow. God, we would be just great at forgiving people. Knowing, God, that you're in control and you forgave us. So we get to forgive others. God, I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.